0: 3 2 1 0 all engine running lift we have a lift off
1: it is seven after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number is 404 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let's get into the news of the day here. The President of the United States informed the House of Representatives he would like to deliver the State of the Union address live before a joint session of Congress next week in the House of Representatives. He asked the House Sergeant at Arms to allow him a walkthrough so that he could prepare on stage. You know, the president doesn't actually need this walkthrough with the House of Representatives, but he wanted it. And the reason he wanted it was he wanted to force Nancy's bluff. Well, she went for it and she canceled the State of the Union. One of the points I think has to be fairly pointed out is there is a lot of hand-wringing in the American media about President Trump disrupting and breaking down sociopolitical norms in the country. One of the sociopolitical norms in our country is the annual State of the Union Address. It is a waste of time. It should be delivered in paper, uh, but it is what this country does every year. And Nancy Pelosi has now broken up that sociopolitical norm. And if you want a good sense of media bias in this country, uh, you can look at this and realize just how jaded and and liberally biased the media is and that they're totally okay with Nancy Pelosi breaking down this norm uh, because Trump started it. It's all because of Trump. We are a society that really is fraying at the seams here. Over these sorts of things. And yes, I I do think the president deserves a fair measure of blame for this. The president pushes and pushes and pushes and pushes, and people get fed up and they push back. You see that with the House. Nancy Pelosi is coming out of the shutdown saying they cannot reopen the government uh, and bow to the president's demands because he'll see that he can win it. And every time he wants something, he'll shut down the government. Uh, and that's no way to run the country. And it's a fair point, except for the fact that the president has caved significantly on the shutdown uh, and is uh, meeting with conservatives in the White House uh, right now, as a matter of fact, discussing his further plans for immigration. The president essentially is going to try to make a play for Hispanic voters by showing Democrats are the ones not only being unreasonable, but holding their future hostage, essentially. The president wants to expand green cards, wants to provide increased access to immigration in the country, wants to allow DACA recipients to stay in the country, and the Democrats are blocking it now. I understand Nancy Pelosi's point that you can't negotiate with hostage takers. I do, to the extent they view the president as a hostage taker. At the same time, government shutdowns have become a a regular phenomenon in this country. It's not like this is some completely out-of-the-blue thing. Uh, There were shutdowns with Bill Clinton. There were shutdowns with Barack Obama. There are now shutdowns with Donald Trump. This has become a point, and the president is making reasonable points to the Democrats. It's also very profound to me how the Democrats in Washington are by and large uh, refusing to acknowledge the reasonableness of the president's approach now. Uh, If you ask Democrats in Washington, and I have, uh, their pushback is that, well, uh, we offered these things to the president last year, and he said no. So he's not being reasonable now. That's actually the argument. Uh, The additional argument goes that just last month he was willing to keep the government open without this. He should be willing to keep keep it open now without this. Well, that's not the situation we're dealing with. The situation we're dealing with, everybody wants to, in Washington these days, deal with the situations they wish we had as opposed to the situations we actually do have. The situation we actually do have is the president is saying he will keep the government shut down until the Democrats compromise on the border. He's willing to compromise on the amount of money. He's willing to compromise on the length of the wall. He's willing to compromise on DACA. He's willing to compromise on allowing people who want asylum in this country to apply in their country instead of having to come into the United States to apply. That's actually a pretty significant compromise, by the way. Allowing these caravans, instead of having to march to the American border and overwhelm the border, allowing them to go to the American embassies in their country and apply for asylum there. That's a a pretty big deal. In fact, a lot of conservatives don't like that, and a lot of conservatives don't like the the DACA issue. And yet the president's willing to do them both. The phone number is 404 Eight seven two zero seven five zero one eight hundred WSB Talk. The president reiterated again today at the White House to reporters that he has no intention of declaring an emergency. That this is something that Congress itself should do that he should not have to do it. Uh, he and his staff are laying the groundwork for declaring an emergency, but they also understand that if they declare an emergency, the president's not actually going to get anything. And I, I hate to sound like a broken record, uh, but it is, I think, a, a deeply relevant point you need to understand. the If the president were to declare an emergency, the courts would say that it's not an emergency, you can't do this. Now, I was having a back and forth with a friend of mine in Congress the other day, and his position is that Article 4 of the Constitution—in fact, it's worth me pulling this up uh, so that you can understand what they're talking about because there actually is um, previous precedent uh, within the federal court systems, including the Supreme Court, on Article 4 of the Constitution and what it actually says. Now, to some degree, parts of it have been amended, but this is the relevant part. The United States, this is Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion and on application of the legislature or of the executive against domestic violence. In other words, the United States shall make sure that no state sets up a king, And that uh, the borders shall be secure of invasion. And if there are rioting and whatnot internally within states, um, the president can intervene if the legislature or the executive requests. Um, The relevant point here is that the Supreme Court in the past has said that Article 4, Section 4 is non-justiciable non means it is an area of the Constitution for which the judicial power of the nation has no role. It is a matter of the executive and the Congress to ensure a Republican form of government. It is a matter of the executive and Congress to protect the states against invasion. The reason the president has been using the invasion language so much is Article 4, Section 4 laying the groundwork of invasion from abroad. It is not up to the courts to determine what an invasion is. It is up to the commander-in-chief of the United States, who is the president of the United States. And so if the president decides that there is an invasion and he wants to stop the invasion, the president can order the military to the border and arguably can order the military to build a wall. There are some problems, though, one of which is you know and I know if the president did this, the courts would suddenly say that 150-year-old precedent doesn't apply in this case. Uh, The Supreme Court of the United States, John Roberts, will impose the Supreme Court on this issue. The Supreme Court will. And even if the Supreme Court didn't, there are actually legal precedents as well if if they're going to rely on legal precedent and say, look, the courts have said Article 4, Section 4, isn't a justiciable issue. Imminent domain is, and if the president begins using the military to build a wall on private land, that actually is an issue, and the courts have long held that the military can't do stuff like that without express authorization from Congress. So they've got problems here, but right now the president says he's not going to do this. The president is not going to declare an emergency. The president is going to keep the government shut down until Democrats fold, and there's hope on the horizon for the shutdown being over because centrist democrats in the house of representatives are telling Nancy Pelosi you got to you got to come up with a compromise she's digging in her heels and they're telling her they're going to work with republicans and force the issue if she doesn't more on that when we come back Welcome. It is Eric Erickson. It is 39 after four o'clock here at WSB. It is 66 degrees in the city. The phone number here 750 404-872-0750-1800. WSB talk. We will go to the phones now, starting with Doug calling from coming. Welcome. Hey, Eric,
0: how are you? I'm good. How are you? Hey, good. Um, my kind of question is what Donald Trump offered as far as his compromise my understanding, it's only temporary that he offered a, a three-year delay on DACA. He didn't offer them a path to citizenship. So if you're trading $5.7 million, billion dollars for a three-year delay, um, don't you think the Democrats would accept if there was, if he offered an actual path to citizenship? Uh, They may, and I suspect that will
1: ultimately be their counteroffer, and I am told by people in the White House they expect that to be the counteroffer, and they would expect the president would not necessarily object to it. Uh, The reason the thinking for the three-year delay is because the Supreme Court next session is going to hear the legal case about the legality of DACA, and the president wants to allow the Democrats to take the gamble. Do they think the five conservatives on the Supreme Court are going to uphold it? Or throw it out. Because if they throw it out, uh, you can be assured the president will immediately start deporting people. And so he wanted to entice the Democrats and he thinks the Democrats have it in their head. They're going to beat him in 2020. So if he gives them three years, he's providing them a way for them to either see what the Supreme Court does or get someone elected who can keep it. Uh, but again, I, the people in the White House tell me they expect the Democrats, if they actually pay attention to the offer and decide to negotiate instead of just say no, we'll offer citizenship and the president will probably accept it. Um, not for their parents, uh, but for the DACA kids themselves, a majority support in the United States, although a minority position among Republicans, majority of Americans support giving the Dreamer citizenship. Back to the phones we go, 404-872-0750, wsb talk Michael, in Atlanta, you're next. Welcome.
0: Yeah, hi, Eric. Uh, my question basically is, could the president invoke um, Article Two, II, Section 3, and call a special session, if Nancy Pelosi refuses to allow him to speak before Congress.
1: <laughs> you must have known. I actually researched this question earlier today. You you, you must have been reading my mind on this one. Uh, and the answer is... No. uh, For a couple of reasons, though. One is they're not in recess. Um, And since they're not in recess, the president can't call them back. But this is the thing, Michael, I actually did not know this until today. Uh, The Constitution allows the president to reconvene Congress if they are in recess, but prohibits the president from being able to call a joint session of Congress. So, if the president wants to call Congress back into session, he can call them individually, but not jointly into
0: session. Do you think he might uh, try doing his state of union in the Senate?
1: Uh, you know, that may be an option, although I was actually told by a friend of mine who works in the Senate that they're not set up for it. There just isn't the space, um, that if you were going to do it in the Senate there, they would expect a lot of the Republicans from the house would want to come over. And there's just not a lot of space there for it. What I'm being told is the president will pick a venue outside of Washington and do a huge campaign rally style state of the union, and then deliver the transcript to Congress as the text of the state of the union speech. Uh, and, you know, I would think given the president's polling in Western Pennsylvania, uh, going to Pittsburgh and giving the speech uh, would actually not be a bad idea for him, uh, particularly in the run up to 2020, and, and treat it as a campaign event, but do it uh, as a presidential address. You know, President Bush, people should remember, uh, he was it here in Atlanta, I think, after 9 11? The president came down to Atlanta and he gave a presidential speech. It wasn't a campaign speech, but gave a big speech in Atlanta. Right after 9-11 on security, I, I think that's something that the, uh, President Trump could model the State of the Union on if not going to give it. I, I did think about the Senate myself, but uh, just uh, nobody thinks it's viable just because of lack of space. But I, I honestly – I did not know. I, I, I reached – Researched it earlier, could the president do this? And the Constitution very specifically says the president can call Congress into session if they're in recess, and they're not. Uh, But very specifically, he cannot call them into joint session. He can only call the House and Senate to go to their respective houses, which is interesting. So he can't can't order them to meet and listen to him. Now, uh, there is some new news in the Covington High School uh, situation, and I, I hope that and I presume that there are reporters at NBC who are ashamed of this. NBC News is running a story today that the gay valedictorian at the diocese, Covington Diocese, is not surprised by this. And essentially, the the gay valedictorian who was denied the right to give his valedictory speech uh, he isn't surprised that these kids acted the way they did. NBC did not run this story until after it was revealed that everybody got the story wrong. And it turns out that despite the way NBC sold its story, this gay valedictorian was in the diocese but did not go to Covington High School. You had to read the story carefully to find that out. It was a very misleading story. And then they would lead you to believe, based on the headline of the story, that the gay valedictorian in the the Catholic diocese could not give his valedictorian speech because he was gay. It's not true. Do you know why the gay valedictorian of the high school that was not Covington High School, that was in the Catholic diocese shared by that high school, why he was not allowed to give a speech? No, it had nothing to do with him being gay. It turns out that he couldn't give his speech because the students were required to turn in their speeches for review by the administrators. And he missed the deadline. So it was because he didn't comply with the rules that he was denied the right to speak. It had nothing to do with him being gay. If you read the NBC News story, if you saw the NBC News headlines, if you saw the way reporters were talking about it today, you would never know that fact. You would probably think he went to Covington High School and that that high school denied not the right to speak because he was gay. And none of those things are true. The way the media is doing this, you know, the Washington Post is running a big story. Today. How did this story unfold? How did it spiral out of control? And, and do you know the Washington Post's answer? Trump supporters. That's right. They pounced. The Washington Post actually said that. Trump supporters pounced. And, and it was all their fault. Uh, going after reporters. Um no it is it is the the height of mendacity that reporters having botched the story particularly washington post reporters having botched the story are blaming trump supporters for yelling at them over it as opposed to realizing they got it wrong nathan phillips the native american drummer turns out he did not serve in vietnam despite claims to the contrary and he also tried to disrupt mass at the uh, National the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, the big Catholic Cathedral Basilica in Washington, D.C. He tried to disrupt that mass, and the media has avoided reporting this. It is really harder and harder as someone who tries to give the media the benefit of the doubt. It is really hard for me to do so anymore because they are so clearly agenda-driven in what all they're covering it, and it really it pains me because I actually am a supporter of the First Amendment. I think there are a lot of great reporters who do a lot of good jobs out there. But so much of the media is screwing these stories up now. And I think they're doing so willfully and it's very unfortunate to see. It is 55 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I don't have a ton of time here. Uh, if I can't get to phone calls in this segment, when we come back, I will go to phone calls uh, in the next segment instead of doing a, a full monologue. Uh, the main reason I'm not sure I can is because Jamie Dupree interviewed Congressman Barry Loudermilk a short time ago. And I want to play for you some sound bites from his conversation with uh, Congressman Loudermilk about the State of the Union.
0: You know, I think it's, it's very unfortunate that we've let uh, partisan politics get in the way of an American tradition. I personally think she's afraid for uh, the president to come and address the nation from uh, the House chambers. Look, I, I think it was a bad call on her part from her own, her own side. Now
1: it's almost guaranteed to be one of the most uh, watched because he will give the State of the
0: Union somewhere. It may be from SunTrust Stadium in Atlanta, for all we know, which I've invited him to come and give it in Georgia. More and more people are going to watch it, and he's going to have a venue to
1: uh, speak openly and plainly, even more so than he would have uh, here in the House chambers. So I think tactically it was a very bad maneuver on their part. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine the people who are now – I mean – the. The media loves to run these Trump things because, I mean, he generates headlines and the media is all about the ratings. The State of the Union will not deliver as big a ratings as the president going off somewhere and giving a barn burning speech. You know what, though? Remember several years ago, back when the Democrats controlled the House the last time. And Republicans wanted to debate uh, "Drill Baby Drill" uh, drilling in Anwar and, and opening up various uh, e- oil preserves and whatnot. And Nancy Pelosi ordered the cameras and the lights turned off in the House chamber, and the Republicans stayed and started streaming for this. Can you imagine the president? The rules of the House prohibit uh, anyone from barring the president from the floor of the House if he shows up. Can you imagine he shows up? Nancy Pelosi has barred uh, any sort of camera. She's turned off the lights and the president goes to the floor of the house with a cell phone and live streams it uh, with a flashlight. It would be hilarious. And, you know, the media would cover the live stream. There would be absolute fascination over the president doing something like that. I think it would be hilarious. If he did something like that, but kudos to Barry Loudermilk, I think it'd be awesome. You invite the president of the United States to come to SunTrust Stadium and give the State of the Union address. I think it would be phenomenal. They could give tickets away. You could fill up the house and the president would give an amazing address. Uh, We will find out where exactly it is he wants to give it in the next couple of days. Uh, I still think going into a swing state would be a good idea. Frankly, going to Florida, as it trends more and more Republican, would be a good idea. We'll get into that when we come back. As well, uh, we now know what it would cost to expand Medicaid in the state, and the Democrats are looking at the price tag and thinking it's a good idea, uh, which means they don't really want to give teachers a pay raise in the state of Georgia without a massive tax hike. I'll give you the numbers and why it's a terrible idea when we come back and take your phone calls, 404 750 It is nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is WSB. And there is breaking news happening now. The White House, uh, Mick Mulvaney, the chief of staff, acting chief of staff, has requested a list of programs to be impacted if the shutdown continues into March. Now, behind the scenes, people are saying that this is a negotiating tactic, showing the president is digging in his heels on this. He's not going to reopen the government. Uh, Republicans in Congress signaling they're going to stand with the president. Their sense is that uh, centrist Democrats are beginning to waver and that they may cave Uh, The president signaling he is not going to cave, he will veto anything, and has privately told Republicans that if they betray him, uh, they betray him, but he will remember it. Uh, Very interesting. Meanwhile, the president's polling is cratering, uh, women and independents fleeing the GOP over the shutdown, according to polling, uh, to which the president's team says, who cares? They got two years, people won't remember. And it's true. I don't think they will. Now, uh, we got other stuff to get into. Um, let me make this point, and then I will start taking phone calls this this um, half-hour period. The phone number, 404 872 750 WSB Talk. Uh, Democrats and the House of Representatives uh, continue to be very, very angry that uh, Governor Brian Kemp does not want to expand Medicaid in the state. This is very telling. It's dogmatic is what it is. It's become an article of faith for Democrats that Medicaid must be expanded, Medicaid for all. They want to expand Obamacare in the state. Brian Kemp, this is really important for you to process and understand. Brian Kemp wants to give the Democrats exactly what they want, which is not Medicaid for all on the surface. It is expanded health care coverage for the poor and those who need it. That is what the Democrats say their endgame is. They just want expanded health care coverage for the poor and those who need it. And Brian Kemp, the governor, and the Republicans in the state legislature want to give them that in a way that keeps costs low. Remember that there are some huge buy-ins for expanding Medicaid. The federal government will subsidize your entry into expanded Obamacare for the first several years. And then that subsidy begins to go away. And in so taking that subsidy, there are mandates the state must perform and provide coverage for, abortion coverage and other things that the Republicans don't want to cover. And the costs go up. After about five years, the costs begin to um, peter out and then escalate for states. Well, the state auditor has audited and figured out how much it would cost. It would cost 150 million dollars in 2020. And then this is the key language in the AJC, a range between 188 and 213 million by 2022. Well, this is the government we're talking about. I think we're safe to go at the high end. In other words, it goes from 150 million in 2020 to just two years later, $213 million. That's a pretty steep increase. Brian Kemp wants to give state workers a pay raise and wants to give teachers, in particular, a $3,000 pay raise this year. If they were to do what the Democrats want, they would not be able to give teachers or state workers a pay raise without significantly raising taxes. That would impact our economy at a time there's an overall economic slowdown coming, it appears. So it's a bad idea. What the governor is proposing gives the Democrats what they say they want. But without as much cost. So why not do it the Republican way? Because the Democrats are dogmatic that you're not actually helping people unless you expand a government program, unless you expand Medicaid. So the governor can give the Democrats numerically, give them exactly what they want and numerically not spend as much money doing it. And the Democrats still say, this isn't enough. you got to expand Medicaid. So in other words, it's the Democrats say they are just interested in giving people better health care, but that's not really it because they would get better health care and cheaper health care under what Brian Kim wants to do without expanding Medicaid. And the Democrats are like, no, we can't do that. No, screw these people who need health care. The only way you're allowed to do it is this way. And that's going to bankrupt the state. And they're OK with that. They say the Democrats are actually on record saying $213 million really isn't a big deal. That's actually the Democrats' position which is crazy. Now, let's get into phone calls here. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Keith in Lawrenceville, you're up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric, how are you? I'm great. How about yourself? Good, good, brother. I have a question on on your thoughts on if some of what we're hearing is true in the polls and, and different things, and, and the legal immigrants actually support immigration control, do you see that as a, as a, a sign that Hispanics are trending towards Trump now? Well, not necessarily to the President, but to Republicans. Yes. Uh, there okay. is the, the polling suggests and, and we'll see more in 2020, but the polling suggests Hispanic voters do not like the president, but that they increasingly like the president's policies. So that's why in Florida, for example, uh, the non-Cuban Hispanic vote went 50 percent for Rick Scott uh, and for Ron DeSantis. In, in Florida, Republicans did very, very good. And I say the non-Cuban Hispanic vote because everybody, when you we say it in Florida, like, oh, it's just the Cubans. No, it's actually the non-Cuban Hispanic vote in Florida went 50 percent for the Republicans and in Georgia. The Hispanic vote went 38% for the GOP, the highest percentage the GOP has gotten in a while. They're not voting for the president. They're voting for Republicans. And part of the issue is here uh, that illegal Hispanic voters in this country are not actually big fans of illegal immigration. And the reason they're not is because they took the time to come here legally. They expect everyone else to take the time to come here illegally. Um, we'll see if that trend continues. But there is an underlying weakness for the GOP that can't be underestimated And that is that Hispanic voters in this country, they may be liking GOP policies and voting for non-Trump Republican candidates, but they themselves do not like the president of the United States. And that's a problem for him in 2020. It is 25 after the hour, and I got to tell you about Harry's razors right now. And I am, I have no hesitation to tell you about Harry's razors because, in addition to it actually being the razor blade I've used for a very long time now, you can save money. You know, Christy and I, we've decided to do the Dave Ramsey thing, and we're trying to save money. And and Harry's is actually a really good option for those of you doing that or something else to save money. You can save about $100 a year if you're a regular shaver uh, just by switching to Harry's because their razor blades are cheaper than the big brands that you can buy. And, you know, you can get them at Target and Walmart and whatnot. They're great razors. Their replacement cartridges are about $2 each, which is a reasonable deal. You know, they bought their own factory. They They make their own blades, so it's a great, great, great um, way to save some money and get a great shave, and right now, there's a great deal from Harry's for you. New customers can get $5 off a trial set from Harry's. Uh, You use my last name, Erickson, as your checkout code at harrys.com. That means you get a razor, you get a weighted handle, you get foaming shave gel, and you get a travel cover for just $3, and you're thinking, wait a second, $3, but what's the shipping? Five bucks? No, it's $3, and it's free shipping. When you use code Erickson at harrys.com, it's E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N, you join millions of people. I'm one of them who have switched by going to harrys.com today. You use code Ericsson at checkout to claim your offer. And, you know, they used to tell me, say, you join millions of guys and they drop the guys because, you know, ladies, you can use Harry's as well. You ought to give them a try. You'll save some money. And it's a great shave. Okay. Phone number, 404-872-0750, wsb talk uh, My thanks to Datamatics, uh, up on 85, invited me over to check out their their business today and meet them. Great people. Uh, it was actually a really good time. I had a great conversation with them. I'm so used to going to these places and having to give speeches. I was like, what am I going to talk about? No, uh, they wanted to show me the facility, have me in for lunch. It was a great time. Good people. Um, Great, great company. Just I was amazed. and I'm uh, so amazed. Every time I get invited to go to a business around the city, and it's a it's a big company you may not have heard of, does huge amounts of business around the country, if not the world, And they're a homegrown business here in Georgia, like Datamatics, and uh, not having to bring in these massive Fortune 500 companies to the state. we got them right here. Uh, Great, fantastic, uh, mid-sized, large, and small businesses that are doing amazing work that you've never heard of, and they get overshadowed by these huge investment schemes to bring in the Fortune 500. Um, Well, they were great people, and thanks to them for bringing me over there. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Debbie from Conley, welcome. Hi, Hi, Debbie. Hi, Eric.
0: I enjoy your show. Thank you. Um, Perhaps you could help clarify for me. Uh, Listening to the news station, some are stating that the wall is currently in progress, currently being built, while others are saying that the pictures you see are that of walls or barriers that were built before, two years before. What's correct here,
1: Eric? Eric? So it's a mixture of both. Uh, There is existing fencing along the border. Uh, They put in fencing where they're not worried about people coming through. They're worried about vehicles. Uh, And then they put in walls where they're worried about people. And what the president wants to do is upgrade. It's mostly new wall in Texas. Uh, where you have a, in places like McAllen, Texas and El Paso where Mexican cities have grown like Juarez and others have grown very close to the American border it's very easy for people to cross over and they've got fencing and wall in parts of those areas they want to expand it in other parts of the country particularly in California and Arizona area they want to upgrade the existing walls where it's been damaged vandalized and whatnot. Um, what they don't want to do is start building walls in the areas where there are mountains and canyons so it's not going to be coast to coast but upgrades and additions and the additions mostly in Texas. It is 39 after the hour. Welcome. The phone number 404-872-0750 WSB Talk. Uh, to the phones we go Michael in Norcross. Welcome. Welcome. How are you doing? Great. How are you? I'm doing good. I, I have a, a question. Um, I don't know what the legalities of it are, but uh, what if you just added a penny to all the, you know, like a national sales tax for one penny, or if you go into a convenience store or buy something at a gas station, and that would probably generate enough money to fund the wall and open the government and stop this childish feuding between idiots? Um, well, the problem here is actually there. there's bipartisan concern on a national sales tax. There already is a gas tax, uh, but it's considered an excise tax, not a sales tax. Um, there is a question as to whether or not Congress could enact a sales tax. Now, if you're a fair tax believer, yes, the Congress can do it. But there's actually been bipartisan opposition to a national sales tax. And the reason is because uh, a sales tax would actually impact poor the poor in a way that Democrats think an income tax can get around. But more importantly, why not two pennies? Why not two and a half pennies? Why not three pennies? Uh, you're, you're only talking about three, four pennies. You're talking about less than a nickel. Um, and you see where this goes is, is it becomes a problem nationwide, and uh, Congress has been loathed on both sides to really get into national sales taxes, and there are some constitutional concerns there as well. Um, okay. Uh, I, for those of you who are on the phones, be real patient with me because i got two stories, and I need to get to them. One is The Atlantic. I have been hearing that the story was coming for a long time, and it was going to come in Esquire magazine, not in The Atlantic. And it never showed up. Today it showed up, and it showed up in the form of The Atlantic, not in Esquire. Turns out that Esquire uh, vetted the story, had his lawyers vet the story, and then the executives at Esquire magazine refused to actually publish the story. The Atlantic was brave enough to publish the story. The story is about Brian Singer. Brian Singer is the director of the Bohemian Rhapsody movie that just came out that got an Oscar nomination, several Oscar nominations. He's the um, uh, apt pupil director. I believe, Um, was he involved? No, I don't know. He was definitely involved in all the X-Men projects. He's now largely been blacklisted. Well, I shouldn't say blacklisted in Hollywood, but he's having trouble now making films in Hollywood. For years, it has been well-known. But poorly documented that Brian Singer, who is gay, uh, was grooming young gay men and um, there's been lots of allegations that he was abusing, assaulting, uh, raping. And 50, 50 different people have been sources for this Atlantic article that Brian Singer has been a sexual predator for years. Some have come out and sued him and then settled and disappeared. Uh, and a bunch of people have come forward now and said that he he sexually assaulted underage boys at parties and in some cases was arranging for them to then enter into relationships with others there have been all sorts of terrible accusations out there about him what i find interesting about the story is this is there are 50 sources for this atlantic story at Esquire, before they decided not to run it, the story was vetted by their lawyers who interviewed everyone, vetted it extensively, and decided it was credible enough to run. We know there are enough other allegations out there that he's largely, he was pulled off the I mean, Rhapsody movie and wound up not finishing it. Someone else did. And yet the media is not nearly as gung ho on this story, despite the additional sources, as they were the Harvey Weinstein story. And I'm at a loss as to why that is. And there are some people saying, well, it's because he's gay and Weinstein's not. I don't know that that's the case. But it's a really big deal. And it goes to the issue of Hollywood and just the corruption in Hollywood. And despite all the preachiness in Hollywood, uh, a lot of these people have known in Hollywood that this sort of stuff was going on and did nothing and we should be mindful of that whenever Hollywood preens, as I'm sure they will do at the Oscars coming up, in their hostless Oscars. Uh, the other story that I've got to address here, and my apologies if if I can't get to your phone calls because it is such an important story, it needs to take priority over your calls, is Venezuela. The president has now recognized the opposition leader in Venezuela, the leader of the National Congress, as the legitimate leader in Venezuela. Uh, Venezuela has a president, Maduro. He was handpicked by Hugo Chavez. The people in Venezuela are starving. Uh, they, They are actually starving to death. The average height of a citizen of Venezuela is on the decline because the hunger issue is so bad. Uh, This is full-scale socialism, communism being implemented in Venezuela. Naturally, the socialists are out there saying they're doing it wrong. They're doing it wrong. They're doing it exactly as has been implemented. Perhaps it's a system too confusing to be implemented anywhere considering no one has ever done it right. But the current president of Venezuela, Maduro, has ordered all Americans to leave, including embassy staff. He's severing relationships with the United States. The issue here is do we actually leave? Because we've recognized the opposition leader as the legitimate leader of Venezuela, therefore we should operate as if the current president of Venezuela has no authority to make us leave. If he sends the Venezuelan military to the American embassy, how will the Marines standing guard operate? If they fire shots, will we fire shots back? This is a destabilizing situation, and I have to tell you, I'm on the side of shooting back. One of the problems that we are having with the caravans coming north is the Maduro regime is incentivizing people to come north to the United States. And the Maduro regime is uh, propping up other bad countries in Central and South America whose countries are so destabilized people are fleeing to the United States. If we take a stand against Maduro, the others will notice, and I think we need to. It is a way to solve the illegal immigration problem. It is a way to solve the caravan problem. The question is how exactly will the president operate, and are we prepared to take a stand I certainly hope that we are. Time will tell. The situation, the tensions, they're escalating. There are people held up in churches around the country with soldiers surrounding the churches as the people seek sanctuary with the Catholic Church, uh, and the soldiers are attempting to drag them out of the churches. It is that bad down there, and the American media does a poor job of keeping us informed about it, and it's going to get worse. Why, hello, my friends. How are you? Uh, We need to do a comprehensive check of the radar. Spare Mark Aram from having to get into it when he gets here. There is just a ton of rain and wind headed into our area. Uh, Up 85 north of the city, all the way up 985 to Gainesville, you've got light rain. There is light rain in the Roswell area. Nothing to worry about. There's light rain around the Braves Stadium. I keep wanting to say Turner Field, but it's the Braves Stadium, SunTrust Stadium. Nothing to worry about. And then you get to the south side, and it's just light rain in the airport area, light rain in Stockbridge, a little light rain north of McDonough, some light rain in Fayetteville. And then you get west, and holy beep, 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 you should see the rain. It's just this giant wall of red and orange coming towards us on the radar. Uh, And they're already impacting the the Adairsville area north of uh, Ackworth on the interstate. Uh, Holy moly, it is crazy. Uh, The Powder Springs, you're starting to get it. Uh, Dallas is fully engulfed now. Uh, Douglasville is going to get heavier for you. Villarica, you ain't seen nothing yet. Um, It is coming. The heaviest stuff is south of I-20. It is about five miles from Bowden, and it is headed towards Carrollton. There is just a ton of rain. Down uh, 85 all the way to Montgomery, Alabama, just gross, nasty rain. And it is terrible rain headed south of the city as well. The only bright spot is my commute uh, headed south right now. Not a lot of rain headed down towards Macon. And then I-20 to the east all the way to South Carolina. You are in the clear. That is not going to last for long, folks. Uh, the big rain is moving into the area. Stay with WSB. Uh, the temperature 65 degrees, and it's going to get really cold after the storm moves through.